0: We've been in a series talking about a life on mission, talking about our, our mission as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. And every week I've introduced this, this series by, kind of by, by telling the gospel again and again and again. Today I just wanted to read you out of a, Ephesians chapter 2. Listen what it says. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers, and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy And He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Because of sin, there is a distance that has been created between us and God. But God's plan from the very beginning was to redeem that space, was to draw you near, to draw all of us, to draw all humanity back to Himself. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's God's heartbeat. It's what He desired from the beginning. We believe that this plan, this plan of redemption, this plan to bring all of humanity back to Himself is now our mission. It is the life mission of every Christian to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. And that's what we've been diving into each week, um, whether you call it evangelism or discipleship or witnessing or sharing your faith or, or the Great Commission. It's how can we live this out? How can we really embrace this mission? How can it become not just something we read about, but but our daily lives? And as we've been digging deeper and deeper each week, we've, we've uh, created space for conversation because we know there's lots of questions that come out of this space, uh, out of this discussion, and uh, it's one thing to have someone just kind of teach you or, or or preach to you, but it's a whole other thing to be challenged by a question in a group of people. And so, well, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to give you five minutes, like we've done every week, and I want you to turn to those around you. Um, Make sure no one is left out. Make sure you include everyone. Um, You may have to move or turn your chairs around. You've got five minutes, and I'm just going to give you a question, and I just want you in your your small group to just dive into it and just dive into the question. The question this week is really easy, and that is, what do you have to offer as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ? So as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what do you have to offer? You got it? You know what you're supposed to do. Anyone need written instructions? OK, I'm going to set the clock. Five minutes. Turn around, spend some time on this question, and we'll come back together. All right, how'd you do? Was this question easier or, or more difficult for you this week? Easier? Some say saying easier. OK, good. So today uh as we dig deeper into this life on mission idea, we're gonna come back to this a little bit uh eventually. And and as is my normal habit, I'm gonna go a long meandering way around to make a really simple, obvious, uh but but meaningful point at the end. So I want to begin by just asking the question: um, have you ever visited someone in the hospital? All right, let's just get a show of hands. Yeah? Okay. Some of you are banned from the hospital, apparently. Like, um, so most of us have visited someone in the hospital, and so I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a dumb question, and the the question is why. Um, have you ever just stopped to think about it? Like, why, 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 why go visit someone in the hospital? Um, my guess is that uh, that. Uh, you, you probably didn't have any real ability to help or change the situation of the person you were going to visit. Like, uh, my, my guess is you didn't have the, you know, oh man, I have all these extra bandages. This would be really helpful. <laughs> um, or, or my guess is you, you, didn't, you didn't go to the hospital because, you know, this advice, I, I've got this great expert medical advice that they need to hear I don't think you went because of that. but So, if you're not a doctor, and you can't obviously help, then why go? I mean, and so just stick with me here. Just stick with me. Um, wouldn't a phone call or a text message or an email be sufficient? Okay. Um I mean, I, I visit lots of people in the hospital and, and I pray with them, but I can pray with them in my office. I can pray with, for them in my office. Just, just is it less effective because I'm not right there somehow? Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe a, a better question is, um, what good does it do being there in person? Can you imagine it this way? If um, just just think about it. Just just follow this train of thought with me for a minute. What if uh, uh, if no more hospital visits were allowed? How would that change the the hospital culture? Or, or what if it just wasn't a part of our culture? We just don't go. We just don't go visit people in the hospital. Hospitals wouldn't have a, wouldn't have waiting rooms or. Or, or visiting hours anymore. Instead, you would just be assigned a bed and, uh, I, I don't know, an email address or, or a phone number. And so everyone, bed 107, here's who you can, you can text them a message. And, and while you're lying in the hospital bed, sick and hurt, and instead of family or friends coming to visit, you know, the pastor from your church, he just emails you a prayer. Um, your wife and kids say, oh, so sorry you're in the hospital. Get well soon. We'll be waiting at home. Can't wait to see you. What if this was a situation where where um, uh, your your uh, your wife was in the hospital to give birth? You know what I'm saying? And you can't come. And the husband's like, "Oh, hope things turn out well. See you both when you get home." Like it's just I I know it's ridiculous. Or. um, Think about this for for doctors and nurses. So you're just just hooked up to machines that give all your information. And instead of doctors and nurses making rounds, they just send you a text message. Hey, how are you doing? Or here's what we're going to do tomorrow. And if you're having an issue, you just text it right back to them. Um, Don't pretend like you wouldn't want this, some of you. Um, Wouldn't that be more efficient? All right, obviously, this is a bad plan, right? Obviously, this won't work. Why? Because I think presence, presence as in being there, being there in person, being right there next to someone else is very very powerful. So I want to kind of demonstrate this idea, and so I'm going to pick on two people. Um, Katie, can you come up here just for a second? Katie's back from college. Yay, you get to come on stage. <laughs> Katie, uh, I'm just going to ask you to do something. It's, it's going to be really easy. You don't even have to talk or do anything. Today is, is, is really easy. Yep, come. How about right there? Perfect. This is Katie, and she's taller today. Oh, great. I felt so, Katie, I'm going to put a passage of Scripture on the screen. Okay. Go ahead and put it up there, maybe. There it is. And I just want you to read it. I, and I want you to read it intently. I mean, read it with, with purpose and, and just in, internalize it. So, so just, we're just going to let you just read it to yourself. Just Yeah, just read it. May the Lord bless you. No, no, you don't even have to tell us. We just want, I just want you to purely just read it. All right. How was that? Good. How'd that make you feel? I mean, some good words. Okay, good words, good words. Now, um, Johnny, why don't you come up here and help me, Johnny Browning, ladies and gentlemen? Let's encourage her she comes on stage. So you you, you got the warm fuzzies from reading it? Yeah, yeah. felt felt pretty, felt pretty good. Okay, so Johnny, as uh, as Katie is your daughter, I want you to face her. I want you to put your hands on her. I want you to look into into her eyes and well as best you can. And I want you to just speak these words over your daughter. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you Great. Give them a hand. Let them sit back down. Another obvious question. Which one was better? Which one was, uh, which one was more meaningful? The one where, where uh, the, uh, let's be honest, the words didn't change, did they? I didn't change the slide, I didn't change the screen. And so Katie came up and she read these very, I mean, these are passionate words of God out of the book of Numbers. She read them. She internalized them. She read them with with purpose and intention. But it didn't compare, did it? It just doesn't compare to when her mom, who loves her, places her hands on her, looks in her daughter's eyes, and reads these words over So what changed? what was different? Presence. Presence is powerful. Do you have those friends, those relationships um, with people you you just trust completely um, do, you, do you have those people in your life? Uh, that uh, you know, no matter what, that these people have your best interests at heart. Maybe they've gone through something with you. You've been through the fire and the flames. Like, like you just trust them emphatically. Like, like they know all your stuff, and you know all their stuff, and you have no fear or worry of them exposing you or or trying to judge you. Or And, and when you have those people in your life, um, when they come over, you don't even have to do stuff, right? Like, isn't it great? Isn't it great to be around that kind of, of 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 people or people that you have that kind of relationship with it, it's just it's just so comforting like you you don't have to go to a movie you don't have to you don't have to talk you're content usually just to be there It, it happened to me this week um, my wife and I were at a movie and um, and uh, while we were watching the movie, she just re- gently reached over and she just took my hand and, and she just kind of kind of kind of just just held my hand and, and it uh, it wasn't awkward or weird. it was nice. And when she took my hand I, I'd been I'd been having kind of a rough week and just was was the fire inspector came to the church, and so I'd rather kill myself than deal with that. Um, and so. We were in a movie, and, and she didn't say anything. She didn't offer any advice or instruction. She didn't say, oh, it'll be okay. Um, and, and she wasn't telling me what to do. You know, have you, you know, have you checked the batteries? No, she wasn't telling me any of that. She simply, just, just with a touch, reminded me that she was there. She reminded me that presence is powerful. And all of a sudden, my, my feelings of feeling stressed or anxious or nervous or kind of wound really tight, all of that began to loosen. I began to feel, feel relief and calm and relaxed and at peace just through her presence, Isn't that what you want from your doctor? All right? Isn't that why doctors are, are making, making these rounds and actually going and going into the rooms and, and talking to you and holding your hand? Isn't that what you want? You, you want, you, and, and you don't want just a screen that gives you the instructions, but you actually want a physical person there because it's just different somehow. It's what you want, I think, from, from a minister or a pastor. And this is one of the, the, the struggles that lots and lots and lots of megachurches are having. So I love megachurches of work form, but a megachurch is always going to have the, the struggle of presence because they may have an epic worship service, they may have every resource known to man, and, and there may be full of, but, but in a room full of people, how many uh, truly moments of, of shared presence are there? Right? Sometimes we can lose presence in a crowd of people. Have you seen this happen? Have you experienced this? And so this is one of the issues that, that a lot of churches, especially larger churches, struggle with, like how to make personal contact with the person that's teaching. Randy Harris, one of my mentors, I heard him speak this past week, and, and he, he just talked about this idea of presence a little bit and, and said, <coughs> excuse me, he, he said, you know, there are better preachers online. Like, and I was like, hey, um, let's not go there, okay? You know, and he kind of reminisced about the good old days when no one knew the preacher at another church. Like, the preacher in your area was your preacher, and you didn't have access to any other preacher, and so your preacher was the best preacher you had ever heard. And I miss those days. Because now you can go online, you can go online this morning and hear much better teachings. You can. They're there. There are guys out there that are better than me. But the one thing that I have going for me is I'm here. Right? And no matter how meaningful or how powerful their message may be, Without that point of connection, without that presence, it is still just kind of on a peripheral teaching level. Your kids and your grandkids want your presence. Um, My two-year-old can and could care less about how much I know. What he cares about is that when I come home, we get on the floor and wrestle. And my seven-year-old could care less about how much I know. But a great example from her, from her life is, uh, even at night, we still crack the door a little bit when, after we tuck her in bed. She doesn't really have nightmares. She's not really afraid of the dark. But it, just that little sliver of light coming through that crack of the door just is a comfort to her because she knows we are right there in the next room. And it's just a comfort for her to, to be able to sleep. She knows that we're there. And, and believe it or not, for those of you that have teenagers, your, your, your teenagers actually want your presence also. Maybe it's in the stands as, as they're in a game, or, or, or maybe it's in the crowd as they perform. But your teenagers, they, they may not want your presence right next to them at that moment but to know that you're there. And if I had to venture, your spouse wants your presence also. Have you ever fallen into that routine where you work so much and you're doing so much with the kids and you're so busy that you're seeing each other like physically you're there, but you're not present with each other? Or when life falls apart and everything hits the fan, there's no greater blessing than to have someone who just says, no matter what comes, whatever the storm comes, I'm just going to walk through this with you. I don't have any advice, and I'm not an expert of what you're dealing with, but I'm just going to choose to be here with you. And I think maybe when people look back on their life, Maybe if they had one regret, it would be that they would give, they wish they would have given more of their presence. I wish I would have been there for you more. And the reality is that texting just won't cut it, right? And, uh, and you can even use Skype and Facebook and Twitter. They all fall, fall short, social media can't do this. It is not reproducible or replaceable. Nothing can compete with the power of presence. I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus came in a human form. Have you thought about that? We spend a lot of time talking about the divinity of God and what Christ brings us as God's Son. But consider it again just for a moment that God became flesh walked on this earth as you and I do he he hated daylight savings time just as much as i hate it he stubbed his toe he hit his thumb with a hammer he was a carpenter he made jokes with his friends and and cried with his family jesus held hands and wrestled with his little brothers on the floor he visited the sick and had dinner parties with sinners he experienced every tossing emotion of our human life. Why? I don't think he was he, he came to just take our place but to share our space. The fact that he was here. The fact that he was there present in the lives of the people that were around him. And I know we usually reserve this verse for for, for Christmas, but look again at Matthew chapter one verse thirty uh, verse twenty three. Look what it says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what does it say? And as if the book ends of the book of Matthew, if you look at the very last verse of Matthew in chapter twenty eight verse twenty, Jesus says after the resurrection, after go and make disciples and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. If there's one thing you can be sure of, it's this. And what does he say? I am with you always. It's like the, the cheesy footprints poem. You guys know the one I'm talking about? God never promises us an easy path. Instead, he promises us. He, his promise is that he will never, that we will never have to go through this alone. His promise is, is that he will be there with you. God's promise is that he is not distant, but that he is near. He promises us his presence. So if presence is powerful, imagine the presence of Jesus When uh, one day at a well, he meets a Samaritan woman with a questionable reputation and spends time talking to her. What do you think that meant to that woman? Or what do you think it meant to the wee little man who was a corrupt and kind of uh, stingy tax collector up in a tree and Jesus walks under the tree and looks up to him and says, you know what, today I'm coming to your house. Or to the leper, covered in in sores and outcast, distant from any presence, to be touched by Jesus. To the sick and sinful, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and what's the rest? And I will give you presence. Right? Presence is powerful. And So you may be wondering, okay, so Adam, what what does this have to do with me and my mission as a disciple? Uh, What does this have to do with us as followers of Jesus Christ? And I just want to remind you, in Luke chapter 10, in the first verse, uh, it says that the Lord now chose 72 other disciples. So the 72 is a little bit of a play on words. In Hebrew, the number 70 or 72 mean, mean the whole world. Uh, if you look in the, in the Old Testament in Genesis, there's 72 nations of the world. 72 is, is the whole world. And so essentially Jesus says the Lord has chosen the whole world. And he sends out 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead into the whole world with this great mission for the whole world. He sends them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. In Mark and even in Matthew, it talks about sending out the disciples. As he sends out these disciples, he always sends them out uh, like a Noah style, two by two, right? Right? And the message is, maybe the simple lesson, even in in this, is that Jesus never sends out his disciples alone. I I think uh, he sent them out in pairs so that they could be Christ to each other. Right? As they left his presence, they took on the presence of the one they had been with to share with each other, to encourage each other. They became Jesus to each other, even as they shared Jesus And that's the point that Jesus never sends you out alone. And so maybe you're wondering, uh, remember our question that we began today. What is it that you have to offer as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ? What you have to offer is not your skill, is not your knowledge. What you have to offer as a follower of Jesus Christ is your presence. you have to offer is just being there but scripture says it's not your presence alone but the presence of the one who has been with you every step of the way in Colossians it says in the first chapter that there is this great secret and it's been hidden from people for for this incredible amount of time but now it is being revealed and the secret is Christ. In you. All the promises that came out of Matthew with Emmanuel and I will be with you always. The writer of Colossians says all of that is embodied in you. In you who believe in Christ resides Christ. Do you believe that? i want to invite the worship team back up, and I just want to share a couple of final thoughts as we wrap up. Before Jesus ever offered anyone hope, before Jesus ever offered anyone forgiveness, before Jesus ever offered anyone the gospel, he offered himself the gift of his presence. And we who call ourselves his disciples must do the same in your home and in your marriage and in your office, when you talk to your neighbors, when, when your friend's marriage is on the rocks, when someone you know loses their job or when you visit the widow or the orphan or someone who is in hospital or, or even in jail, when you serve the poor like we did or the homeless like we did at the Nashville Rescue Mission or the lost, you have something to offer as a follower of Jesus Christ. May those who come into your, into your presence experience the fullness of the one who is in you. May those who come into your presence experience the very presence of Jesus Christ. So maybe um, maybe this week you haven't been very present. You know what I'm talking about. You can be there and not be there at the same time. Um, husbands, this never happens to us. I know. Maybe it's now is your time to redeem some of that. Maybe you've been been jarred awake by by God's own words, by the reminder from Scripture that our role as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to be present. To just be with people around us. To, to be with people in, in, in conversation, to, to not just stand next to them on the bus stop, but to, but to engage them. To be available for, for conversation or, or even prayer. And we're going to talk even more next week about the power of the Holy Spirit and how that presence works in us and through us as we seek to follow and share Christ as we engage in this life on mission, and so maybe this week um, you've been distant, maybe uh, maybe you've been overwhelmed or distracted by a bunch of other things, maybe you've been avoiding others, and if God has placed it on your heart to respond, then. We would like the opportunity to be there for you. It's one of the great things about our church. One of the things I love about our church is the presence we offer each other. So this morning, if we can be there for you, if we can stand in for Christ for you, then we want to pray for you. We want the opportunity to share Christ with you this morning. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. If God's put it on your heart to respond, we just ask God, I'll move to the back. I'd love to receive you there. Maybe God's put it on your heart to be baptized. That would be awesome to, to exit the old life and enter into a new life, an everyday with Christ kind of life. And that's why we're here. So why don't you stand as we sing together?